Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to episode 24 of Sheer Crime. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Amy. This week, we covered the disturbing Netflix documentary, Roll Red Roll. This is the unbelievable story of a sexual assault against a high school girl perpetrated by star players on the football team. The town is divided, and some people even went so far as to blame the victim. As we unravel this case, we find out that these incidents happen more often than we think. This is a very emotional and triggering episode, so listeners, beware. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You had your ultrasound yesterday. I did. I had my 20-week ultrasound, and they confirmed he still has a wiener. Oh, yay. So excited. I know. I'm so excited. It's it's so reassuring. That (sighs) appointment is like the appointment everyone waits for because you just want to make sure everything's growing fine. There's no issues. There's no abnormalities. God forbid. Yes, it's it's one of those you wait for from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. I mean, because we did the like early ultrasound at nine weeks yep. and my husband, you know, obviously with COVID, they're not letting partners into any of the appointments sure. except for the ultrasounds. So he was there for that one. He said it's like, you know, that that little gummy bear looking ultrasound. Mm-hmm. He's like, and then yesterday he goes, it was incredible how much of a difference has been made. Oh, yeah. From nine weeks until 20 weeks. I mean. It's a fully formed baby, essentially. The whole process of a human being growing is miraculous to me. I don't understand how women are such badass people Um, (laughs) that we create all this. And it's it's amazing. I love it. It's so amazing. It's just crazy. And we could see everything. You know, you could tell what every little piece was. Well, I'm so glad everything went great. Yes. Yes. I had my... uh, virtual prenatal today to call back on the results because, of course, the ultrasound tech can't tell you anything. Right. They just, you know, go through their motions. Yep. Yep, Everything is good. Everything is perfectly on schedule. So, yay, I still have a little wiener inside of me. Yay. Then I'm not talking about my husband. Sorry. That came (laughs) off weird. (laughs) Okay. So what did you bring to drink today? I went back to our crook and marker. I had one left in my fridge and I'm like, I need to have it. I need to have my smooth crook and marker. And I chose the grapefruit flavor. Nice one to have left over. Yes, I know. It's one of my favorites. I was like, thank God. Right? I know. That (laughs) one's so good. I completely spaced yet again. (laughs) Baby brain has become a real, like, real problem. Oh, yeah. Remember, last week, we forgot to tell everyone what we were doing this week. So everyone should be very surprised that we're doing this documentary. Yeah, it's become a problem. I was asked to write down my phone number yesterday. Kenzie, I started writing down numbers that have nothing to do with my phone number. And halfway through it, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even know what number I was writing down. Oh, my gosh. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't my social security number. It wasn't my phone number. I don't know what it was. My husband's like, are you okay?" I'm like, go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe it's lottery (gasps) numbers. I should. (laughs) That's how we make it. That's how we make it. (laughs) Yes. Well, so, yeah, all of that to say all I have is water again today. But again, 
I got to hydrate. You got to hydrate with that baby. Yes. Well, why don't you pop your top? Pop my top. I'll do it. That sounded great. That was really good. That sounded loud, too. Um, I feel very left out right now. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So once pregnancy is over and I no longer have a little wiener hanging out inside of me, (laughs) I can have a drink. Yes. Because this one I could have drank through. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know. Pun intended, there's a lot of dicks involved in this case. Absolutely. And I mean that figuratively and literally. Yes, absolutely. So let's move on, Amy, to the case because, again, this one is way more charged than others we have covered. Yeah. So the documentary starts off with some recordings. So what you're hearing is like a recorded either video or like a phone call and it's from some unidentified boys. So you're not seeing anything. You're just hearing it. Yep. And then I have my captions playing the whole time. Me too. Yeah. So it kind of gives me a little bit more context. But you hear a bunch of guys kind of laughing. There's some indistinct chatter. And then a couple of things stand out. One boy makes a statement. She is so raped right now. And then you hear some giggling. And then another boy says, well, if this gets around, then you might go to jail. And then another boy says, I didn't do it, man. And then finally you hear, oh my God, this is the funniest thing ever. Just a bunch of laughing. So you can tell it's more than one or two people. It's definitely like a group of boys talking. My guess is they don't sound sober. It's, it's really hard to listen to. Honestly, it's, oh, I mean, you can tell that they're young. Oh, for when sure. you hear their voices, I mean, you can tell that they're young kids and the way that they're laughing and giggling at things that are not funny thing. Yeah. But the way that they're talking and how normal they say these things and they're normalizing this, it's very scary. It's disturbing. The next thing that we see is a text that pops up on screen and it says, what happened last night? I don't know who to ask or believe who did that to me. And all of this is written by a Jane Doe. Mm -hmm. And then finally a text from her saying, oh, my God, please tell me this isn't fucking true. It broke my heart. Yeah. Because I can imagine how scared, humiliated and embarrassed she probably felt. Yeah. You know, it's man. Yep. It's, It's and we're just getting into it. We're just getting into it. So we find out that we're in Steubenville, Ohio, and it's August of 2012. So that's almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And we're hearing like some local radio DJ kind of talking a little bit. And he's talking about how they're coming up with this disturbing story out of Steubenville, Ohio. They don't have a ton of details as the story is rapidly developing. Mm -hmm. We meet Detective J.P. Rigaud. And he's the lead investigator on this case, so we hear from him a lot. And he says that in the early morning, Jane Doe starts getting these text messages and chats. Even a picture is sent to her Mm -hmm. by a friend saying, I think this is you. Her parents immediately make a report of sexual assault. And Detective Regard actually ends up interviewing her the very next morning. Not a long interview, as he states, because Jane couldn't remember much. Just shout out to Jane Doe for even having the courage 
to go and tell her parents so they could do something about it. And they did it immediately. Yeah. Immediately after this happened, they were at the police station filing a police report. I loved that. Yeah. Because you don't see that enough. And I think it's because kids are scared. They don't want to tell their parents, especially when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Well, and she had to come clean about the fact that she knew that she had been at a party and she'd been drinking, but that her next memory after that point is waking up Sunday morning on the 12th of August. She says that she wakes up naked under a blanket, can't find her phone. And she's in a room where Trent Mays and Malik Richmond were. And then we see photos of these boys in their Steubenville big red football uniforms. Now, Trent Mays was the primary suspect from the beginning. That never changed. Detective Regard actually advises both of the boys of their rights. Neither one of them chose to give a statement right away. Now, one of the biggest obstacles that he remembers in this case is trying to get the truth from a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. who might be telling on their friends. And snitches get stitches, right? You just don't do that. That could literally cost you your entire high school reputation. Right. You know, as as a kid, that's everything to you. Absolutely. So that's why kids lie or they don't tell you or let their friends the real do things truth. that shouldn't be done. Yep. Yep. Because they just don't want to be that outsider. Yeah. And the peer pressure. Absolutely. So we see some footage of an interview room with a couple of different kids coming in and out. Two of the ones that they focus in on are a girl named Farah and then a boy named Michael. Now, Farah says that she walks into this party. There's a bunch of central girls, which means that they're from another high school nearby. She says that she was the only girl from Big Red at that point, and she felt a little uncomfortable because she didn't really know anybody sure. at the time. Yeah. But she says that she remembers Jane Doe walking up to her and saying hi. She could tell that she was gradually getting more and more drunk and intoxicated and worse throughout the night. At some point, she notices Mark, Trent, Malik, and a boy named Evan wanting to leave and Jane Doe leaving with them. Farrah says that she felt that Jane would have been safer if she'd have stayed at the party with her other girlfriends because she had only known Trent out of the group. She had known Trent a little bit, but didn't know anybody else as far as the guys that were involved. Farrah says that, admittedly, she didn't try very hard to make Jane Doe stay, although she felt like she was in a bad situation and she wanted to make her stay. But because they didn't know each other, she didn't intervene. Sure. But where are her friends? Yeah. Why the hell aren't her friends intervening? Like, don't ever leave your friends. If you're going to a party together, if you go out on the town together, wherever the hell you're going mm-hmm. with your friends, never let them go off by themselves. Always leave with them. Yeah. And always go in at least pairs, wherever you are. Like, that I don't understand. And maybe it's just them being naive, kids not really thinking two things about it, but when a 16-year-old girl is leaving with five boys, that doesn't really fare out very well. That doesn't look right. Right. And someone should have said something and or made her stay, especially in the state of mind she was in. Yeah, agreed. I've also had those friends that absolutely will not do what you tell them to do. Oh, of course. For anything. Mm -hmm. So, I see both sides, right? you know, and it could have been where they're like, we've been down this road with her before. She's not going to listen. She's just going to do whatever the fuck she wants. Just let her go. Yeah. Kind of a situation. 
I've also been that girl that has walked out of a party with three or four guys to go smoke a bowl out in someone's car. Mm -hmm. So maybe they just didn't think they were actually leaving the party. We don't really know a whole lot, right? We then hear from Michael, and he's also kind of referred to as Nodi because his last name is Nodianos. Yeah. So Michael says that as he was walking into the party, he noticed that these guys were helping someone out, like helping a girl out. And that Trent was definitely helping her out and maybe Malik too. Couldn't remember. So in my mind, and based on how that's worded, my guess is they're like almost kind of helping her walk out of the party. That was my understanding. Yeah. Because at this point we learn, and I don't think we learn right away, but we learn that she couldn't really walk at this point by herself. Right. She was that intoxicated that she was almost unconscious blackout type of state. And that's scary. That is terrifying. Yeah. Detective Regard says that immediately they were in communication with prosecution and they had determined that they had grounds to make an arrest Mm -hmm. at this point. So the next week, Trent Mays and Malik Richmond are arrested. Next, we see a text from Trent Mays to Jane Doe. It pops up on the screen. He states, why did you get the cops involved and accuse us of rape if you know it didn't happen? Like, it's ruining my life, too. Please answer. This infuriated me. Yeah. He knows damn well she doesn't remember that night. Yeah. So how is he going to make her feel bad about a rape accusation and tell her that she knows it didn't happen. Like the fuck she doesn't know. That's the fucking problem here. Right. That is the problem here. And mm-hmm. for him to have to text her. And of course, I'm sure she never responded. We don't see a response. Well, I don't see any responses. All. Yeah. So. Oh, it, it just, it really, really rubbed me the wrong way. I hated that. Yeah. I didn't like it either. I mean, it's definitely a manipulation technique for sure. Yeah. Then we see another text from Trent to Jane Doe that says, are you going to do everything you can for me? I was kind of confused by that one, and they never really go back to it. It is, Yeah, they gloss over it. They don't really talk about it. My interpretation of that was, like, are you going to make sure that nothing bad happens to me? Right. Like, you're going to be on my side, right? Yeah. No, I filed a sexual assault charge against you. Like... No. Yeah. And maybe he thought her parents were the ones who did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's probably what it is. Yeah. That's kind of where I was figuring that text came from. But again, they don't ever talk about it. We're now in Columbus, Ohio, and we meet Alexandria Goddard. She tells us that there wasn't much to the story at the very beginning. She said there was really just a couple of paragraphs on two high school football players getting charged with sexual assault. And that's it. There wasn't much more to it. It wasn't like a big headliner, you know, full page newspaper type of thing. It wasn't. No. She found it kind of odd because she knew that Steubensville was a really big football town. Right. And so she thought it would have been bigger news than what she originally thought and saw. So she's already kind of wondering, like, what's going on here? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Now, we find out she's a true crime blogger. I love her already. I did. She and she even said she's like, I'm I'll be the first person to call out your bullshit. Love like it. she's a truth seeker. 
She wants to get the truth out there. Like, that's the kind of person she is. And she had actually grew up in Steubenville. So she knew the community. Yeah. And she says that it is not a woman-friendly environment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, ick. Like, come on, people. What is going on? I could never live in a place like that. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't. You don't get a choice if you are. I know if you're born there, there. but ah, ick. I hate that. I know. Now, she had went to the high school website. She pulled the football roster and started searching social media pages. I literally put a heart next to this. (laughs) I loved it. She's just trolling these kids' Facebook and Instagrams and Twitter accounts. I love it. I love it. She determined that there had been a scrimmage game that happened for Big Red and that there were several parties that were going to be happening that night. Yeah. And this was all done by the tweets and the Instagram posts. Yeah, it was like their end of the summer bash. Yep, yep. I remember this in high school. Oh, absolutely. And you, we saw a ton of different tweets, like everyone's having a good time. Everyone's excited about these parties, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, she said that she started noticing that something changed, though, with all these tweets. They started off really happy. Yeah. And then it kind of went a different direction. She ended up going down a rabbit hole. And she starts putting together a timeline to see who was tweeting what at a certain time. Because remember, every time you put anything on social media, there's a timestamp. Right. So she was easily able to make a, a timeline. Yeah. She said it felt like she was watching it in real time almost. And then by the end of the night, a young girl was sexually assaulted. She said it was almost like a peeling a rotten onion. Like every layer you peeled off, there was another layer that was even more rotten than the layer before. Oh, yeah. And it is. It's nasty. I mean, some of the things that we see in these tweets, it's horrible. Dude, kids are assholes. Fucking the cruelest people. The worst. I'm not kidding. They No, they're awful. And I think it's because kids don't think of like the repercussions of what they're doing. I think right? it's because we're not allowed to spank anymore, Kenzie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Until they're, you know... Straight as a rod. Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's scary. I mean, it seeing is. some of these tweets, it's like, Ugh. why are they talking like well, that? Well, I remember people talking like that. Uh, Not like, I mean, back then we didn't have like Twitter and shit like that. I mean, I'm like old. But, <laughs> you know, I remember like people writing things in like bathroom stalls, you know? Sure. Or like just whatever. Like, I remember seeing that kind of stuff and I was always like, God, you it know? It just seems like it's way more evil now and that there's really no emotions it feels like well i mean i think about it we're completely desensitized to people yeah yeah because everything is online now yeah everything is interactive we don't have to be real people anymore i know we have emojis to do it for us that's right now detective for god it tells us that he's really working off minimal evidence at this point this incident is being texted tweeted All of these kids know, and school just got started for the year. Yeah. Now, we meet Jeremy. He was a former football player, and he was actually working in a bakery, which I'm like, oh, kind of took me back to, like, my work. So I'm like, oh, a bakery. I was like, I wonder if one of my colleagues works with that bakery. But they didn't say, show us the name of the bakery. But I'm like, I guarantee you, one of my colleagues works with that bakery. See, and I saw it and immediately started drooling. (laughs) So those smiley face cookies looked really good. Oh, I wanted the donuts, man. <laughs> the donuts, too. Oh, oh I want so a stuffed donut so bad. <laughs> Nobody makes them around here. I can't get a jelly-filled or custard-filled donut. You could at Emily's Bakery in Hastings. I mean, it's a little far, but it's 
really good. You got me excited. Because Hy-Vee has been really, really lacking with their stuffed donuts. It's yes. pissing me off. I would try Emily's Bakery. Okay. Yeah. They're right. they're pretty good. Okay. Jeremy tells us that he had been in a situation like this one we're talking about. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the girl is engaging in it. And he goes, that's all I'm saying. And that's when Jeremy went on my show list. I'm sorry. I was like, you have to take everything into consideration here. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the girl is flirting with a boy at some part of the night and they end up leaving together. And then this incident happens later. If she was intoxicated and kept getting more and more intoxicated and she doesn't remember anything that was unconscious when this happened. Not okay. Yeah. You know, so I think he's trying to make not light of it, but say that, well, she wasn't into it. So shouldn't be that big of a deal. Well, and he makes a comment about how he's never seen a girl dragged in under protest of being at a party with some guy. And I think that right there goes to show what people really think rape is. Mm-hmm. People think that rape is and only is somebody coming after you and like you're literally trying to you're like scraping your way, trying to yeah. get away from him. And he is on top of you, forcing himself into you. Right. That's not no. the only definition of rape. Rape no. can happen at any point if one person decides they don't want to be involved in that act right now. Right. If consent is not given or can't be given. Or changes. Yeah. It could change in the middle of it. It can start off sounding yeah. like a good idea and then not so good. Yeah. We next meet Vinny. He's an antique stealer. Also, not a fucking fan of him either. <laughs> He basically says that it was a party that got out of hand. And he makes a statement that says that when this used to happen when he was in school, you know, you just got suspended from school. But now they want to put you in jail. And I'm like, no shit, Vinny. It's fucking rape. And it's fucking illegal. Like, he is making light of this. And it pisses me the fuck off. Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't stand this guy. He's just talking about it like it's no big deal. And things have fucking changed over 40 years, Vinny, since you were in fucking school. Like, things are fucking different now. And people are taking things a lot more fucking seriously and listening to victims when they have stories to tell. Yeah. Because it should have been happening 40 years ago when you were in fucking high school. But it wasn't. It's sad. But it wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Times change. Oh, it's so irritating. It is. It is. There's one thing that I just kind of keep reminding myself when it comes to these types of situations is that you got to look at the person and who's saying it. (laughs) And sometimes it's like, you know what? Some people are just stubborn. Mm -hmm. They're stuck in their ways and they grew up a certain way. Like us. And I I don't think a Mr. Potato Head is that big of a deal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So there's things where we grew up going... That's not, what do you mean? Why is that a problem now? So I think that's part of it. I think he's a small-minded person. I think he lives in a small community. He only knows what he knows in his community. That's it. And he I probably mean, doesn't know a whole lot about the details of the case either. Right. So he is just getting hearsay yep. from people. And most of the town was on the side of the boys yep. to say, like, there's no way they did that. And so he was probably thinking that it was just a girl trying to get attention Whatever. Sure. It's still super fucking irritating to hear an adult male say that when they're not even involved in the case. It's like, let it play out. He clearly didn't raise daughters. No, clearly not. Yeah. Now we meet Michelle. She's 
just a local resident is what they they say for her yeah. lower third. Lots of people were talking about Jane Doe's outfit, the one that she was wearing that night, basically talking shit about her, mm-hmm. saying that, you know, maybe if she didn't wear such a provocative outfit, maybe this wouldn't happen to her, kind of insinuating that. Yeah. Saying, well, she asked it's her it. own it's her own fault. Oh my gosh, I just I hate that. I know. I hate it so much. The clothing that a woman wears does not give the man a right to force himself on her. No. Fuck that. And it's not an invitation or open door of any no, way, shape, or form. Not at all. It's oh my God. It's it's heartbreaking. And that's what Michelle said too. Like it was heartbreaking to to see people saying that stuff about yeah. her and just not caring. And I can visualize what those conversations were like. And I'm sure it was just, it was horrible. It was horrible to listen to because, again, very small-minded people. They're set in their ways. They're heavy with their football team. The football guys could never do anything bad. Like, it can't be true kind of thing. Uh, it's unfortunate. I know. And to go with that, I actually just recently saw like a, not like a meme, but it was more like an infographic that popped up on Instagram while I was scrolling one day. And it, I mean, randomly, just right before we started doing this, and it had stated, if lesbians can control themselves when girls are wearing revealing clothing, but guys can't, maybe the problem isn't the clothes. Yep. And I was like, uh, I love hello. that. Fucking love that. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but... I was certainly raised to kind of, I don't know, watch how I present myself in public because it could be, you know, eye-catching for people. I also, instead of doing a Google deep dive, I did an Instagram deep grab, deep grab, holy fuck, (laughs) why? (laughs) Deep grab. Okay, so I was looking at different hashtags and the first one I popped in was like, Sexual assault. Well, clearly there's like no hashtag for sexual assault. Right. Because that's not something that people want to hashtag. hashtag that. Yeah. So one thing I thought, because I've been seeing it a lot lately, is hashtag teach your sons to respect women. And then there's other ones that says I've seen memes that have crossed out instead of like protect your daughters. It's crossed out and it says educate your sons. Love that. I yeah. like that one, too. But then I saw another one and I it's like a checklist. So I kind of had to because every single one of these is something that I have done or been told. Mm -hmm. And it says women are urged to carry their keys between their fingers. Check. Yeah. Women are urged to cover their drinks at all times. Check. Yep. Women are urged not to walk alone at night. Check. Yep. Women are urged to carry pepper spray. Check. Women are urged to dress a certain way or to not dress a certain way. Mm -hmm. Check. And then it said at the bottom, can we please urge men not to sexually assault women? Why do women Mm -hmm. get a laundry list of things to do or not to do Mm -hmm. in order to protect their bodies from being sexually assaulted when guys are just... They're, they have no fault. Yeah. Like, it's because we, what, brought it on ourselves, you know? <sighs> yeah, that's what's so frustrating. You know, I mean, you just laid it out clear as day. Like, this can be solved by one thing. Yeah. And that's changing the mentality of these men that are sexually assaulting women. But, 
again, I don't know if that's ever going to change. I really don't. I don't know. I mean, it takes mothers educating their sons. Yeah. Which brings me to another quick point that I wanted to bring up that I brought up to you through text the other day mm-hmm. where I said, this reminds me of a story that happened between my daughter and a friend or like a a kid she knows from school. So while we were on vacation in Florida, we had a room that had like a little mini kitchen in it. Mm-hmm. And one night, my husband and I decided we were going to run to the grocery store, pick up a bunch of food so that we didn't have to spend all of our money on at restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked Kaylin if she wanted to come with us. She was like, do I have to? And I'm like, no, but you have to stay in the room. She's like, "Uh, no problem. Like, I'll be right here. Yep. She's like, I'm just going to make some TikToks while I'm doing it or, you know, while I'm staying here. I'm like, OK, cool. So we leave. We're gone for, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes if you count the drive there and the drive back. And when we get back, Kaylin is like kind of pissed off. And I'm like, what's going on? She goes, me and... I'm going to call him B because we don't need to say his name. So she says that they're Snapchatting back and forth. And she says, well, my parents aren't here right now. When they get back, we're going down to the pool. And B says, well, why don't you just go to the pool now? And she's like, because I'm not going down there by myself. She's like, I don't want to get raped and kidnapped. This is something that we say all the time in my household, which is I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. We're very aware of where we are is kind of what we're trying to do. I think it's better to be too aware than unaware. Right. And as a 12-year-old with your, you know, face in your phone all the time, Mm -hmm. you're not super aware of your surroundings. So she made that comment to him. And he's like, what are you talking about? You're never going to get raped and kidnapped. And she's like, you don't know that. And he goes, you're in Florida. Like, that's not going to happen. And she's like, that could happen anytime. He basically, like, laughed at her and was like, you're dumb. Like, that's never going to happen. You're stupid for even thinking that. And she goes, B, you are being raised by two moms. So he is being raised by a lesbian couple. And he's like, so they agree with me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. as she's telling me the story, I looked at her and I'm like, you know, for a fact that neither one of them know that he just said that to <laughs> right. you because they would not agree with that. No, not at because all. even if they are lesbian, I guarantee you. Both of them have been afraid to walk out to their cars at night. Both of them have been afraid to be at a bar, not covering their drink. It's the same thing. We all have that. Yeah. All of us. Even if it's just ingrained. I don't even know if it has to be taught. I get an instant fear. Deep distrust. I I mean, I ran to the store the other night. Yeah. I'm still a little worried. Like, 100%. Oh, my gosh. You just don't know what's going to happen. And I think it's just... It's just instilled in me. Like, you just have a fear all the time. And it's it's sad that we have to live that way. Yeah, this is not just to this case. Like, this is women as a whole. Every woman has been afraid at some point in time for her safety yep. when it comes to a male Absolutely. being there or maybe not being there. <laughs> Absolutely. So back to the documentary. We hear the voice of DJ Bloom Daddy, and he's a local talk show host here in Steubenville on the radio. So I kind of paraphrased what he says here, but essentially he says, you know, it's basically a she said, he said situation right now. And I think in all honesty, almost every case is right to a certain point, right? right. That's when the evidence comes in. So what he says actually kind of pissed me off, but he says Anybody can make an allegation. Sometimes girls at these parties drink a little too much. Sometimes they get a little promiscuous. All of a sudden, 
they're being called, you know, a whore, what have you. It's really easy to all of a sudden say that you were taken advantage of rather than to own up to the fact that, hey, look, I did what I did. Basically, that they're volunteering themselves to these boys. And he says it's easier to tell your parents that you were raped than, hey, mom, dad, I got drunk and decided to let three guys have their way with me. My, I hated the have their way with me because that right there makes me think she didn't have much of a say in it. No. She just laid back or bent over however you want to picture it. And I'm just like, are you out of your fucking mind? I said fuck all the way off. Yeah. Fucking DJ Bloom Daddy, whatever the fuck your name is. Get out of here. I hated this because this is being now it's all over the city of Steubenberg. I'm pretty sure this is their talk show that everyone listens to. And he's totally siding with the boys here, not even giving two shits about this victim. Yeah. Like, and how she feels about this. Oh, I know. And it's all and all of her stuff is all over social media. Right. So it's not like she just randomly came out of this and decide, oh, yeah, like it's easier to tell your parents that you were raped. I don't think that's an easy thing to tell no. anybody. Honestly, it would have been way easier for me to tell my mom I got super drunk and I don't remember what happened last night. Mm-hmm. That would have been a lot easier for yeah. me. But, you know, to each his own, I guess. We then see a couple of text exchanges between Trent Mays and a boy named Anthony. And Trent says, She came through. She brought food. She got fucked. She knew what's up. And then Anthony says, you a felon. And Trent says, not really. Huh. Not really. Oh, oh, it's so icky. I hate I hate the way he is normalizing this. Like, well, he's just a pig. uh, He is a pig. We're back with Alex Goddard, the true crime blogger. And she says that it wasn't just that Jane Doe was raped, but that they took it to the online situation and humiliated her. Horrible. A tweet example of that night was, you know, Song of the Night, Rape Me by Nirvana. And then another was a guy named Nodi, who we spoke about earlier, Michael, tweeting something to the effect of some people deserve to be peed on. And then we see that a kid, Cody Saltzman, takes a photo of her and posts it to Instagram, tagging it sloppy. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being that poor girl and seeing that? And it's on social media. And you know, they have probably thousands of followers. So all these people are liking it, commenting on it, whatever. It's like... And it's even people who she doesn't know. I know. I mean, my daughter is 12. And she has friends on her Snapchat and her... TikTok accounts that she doesn't know personally, but are kids around the area that she knows through other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like she was tagged in something. So they become friends. So it's like this huge network of kids who have zero understanding of what the fuck is happening. Right. Now, Alex says that she actually kept screenshots of everything that she found when she was online kind of sleuthing their accounts. So smart. Because, you know, stuff gets deleted all the time. So she kept screenshots and she used archived sources to look back and get that timeline that we mentioned earlier. So what she said was the lack of empathy alone was just shocking. She said that there were even some forums that she came across locally 
where it was chatted about between adults and the adults were even victim blaming. The kids were openly calling it rape, like left and right. Right. It wasn't like like they had taken the sting out of the word, you know? Right. Exactly. If you use it enough, it doesn't mean what it means. Right. Kind of a thing. Yep. She decided to post everything that she found out there. So she didn't like go interview anybody. She was screenshotting this shit. She decided to post it on her blog. And she even took the photo of Jane Doe that Cody Saltzman had posted. Now, I'm going to try to explain this, but it's a photo where she's passed out like on her back. And it looks like, well, she's all pixelated out. Malik is holding her feet and Trent is holding her hands and she's kind of like in a U shape. So if you think about like if you've got like a little kid and you got mom and dad, like one's got the legs, one's got the arms and Mm -hmm. you're like swinging them. That's the position that this girl is in. But you can see her head is like completely bent back. (sighs) I mean, she's out of it. Yeah, she's this isn't a game. They're physically trying to move her somewhere. Alex says that once she posted this. There was complete mayhem. Mm -hmm. The traffic on her blog was astounding. She said people were very opinionated and she could not even keep up with all of the comments at that point. People were pissed. People were pissed. Now, we meet a couple of local parents, one of them being Mark. And he says that he began following it right after it kind of hit the media. And the pics of this young girl being drug around completely incapacitated were really unnerving to him. We meet Gretchen, who's another local parent, and she says, how do you have children that would think that that's okay? And again, I'm sorry, I think it goes back to us not spanking our kids. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, like parents have to do some, they have to do their part. Or not having conversations about this. That's 100%. Not having conversations. Pretending it's not going to happen to their kid and letting their kid do whatever the hell they want. Yep, that's the fucking problem. That is the problem. You need to have these conversations with your kids and make sure they have manners and respect for other people because this shit won't happen then. Yep. But that's the problem. I think it's just kept in the dark and parents don't talk about it enough. Yep, I agree. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It's a a tough thing to talk about with kids. Absolutely. And some parents might think they're not even listening, right? But you have the conversation. Have the conversation multiple times. Yep. Keep it as a reminder all the time. Yep. We then hear from a couple of students, and it looks like they're kind of being interviewed, like, at a school. Yeah, for Uh, sure. Yeah. Therese and Madeline. And they're kind of going back and forth. But one of them says maybe she had been sending or posting inappropriate pics of herself that possibly made the boys do what they did. And I was like, no, 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 no. I know. I didn't like that either. I'm like, why? Why are they defending these boys' actions. Like, everyone is trying to make it sound like, well, she must have done something to make them she, do this. Yep, she brought it on it's herself. Like, why? Why is it always the girl's fault? Why can't these just be fucking horny little boys that this is the only way they're going to get shit? Yeah, it's like, bad. It's, it's awful. It's and I was selfish, shocked. horny little boys. Yes, and I was shocked that these girls said that. I, I didn't I wasn't. think... I didn't think that they were going to be on the guy's side. I thought that they might take the girl's side because they might have been in that position before. But no, they didn't. I'm like, come on. Here's why I wasn't surprised. They go to the school that these boys went to. The girl, Jane Doe, she went to a different school. She didn't go to their school. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yep. Oh, oh, that's right. She went to that central. Yep. So, oh, okay. It's a 
outsider, yeah. right? Yeah. Telling the story. Oh, yeah. And you already don't like right. a different school. Absolutely. You know? It's rivalry. So I wasn't totally surprised. What Madeline says is that they weren't allowed to have Facebook accounts until they were 16 years old. But she said that a lot of kids would make accounts behind their parents' backs. So she said that you would have that good girl account that your mom would see or your cousins would see. But then you'd have this secret slutty girl account that all of your friends actually see. And I'm not surprised that that happens. I'm really not. I'm not surprised that it happens, but I never had something like that. We didn't have this back then. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, our Facebook accounts was a fucking yearbook. True. Well, it came so out once a year. <laughs> MySpace was around when I was probably in junior high. MySpace came out and then Facebook was out when I was like in ninth grade, but it was like college only. At it was time. college and it was teachers like teachers yeah. were on there with their friends and stuff. And it wasn't the Facebook we know today. Right. So I don't think it really became popular until I was well into high school, even towards the end of high school, I don't think. So, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. The girls say that they didn't really think that much about the situation that Jane Doe had you know, her own responsibility and that she was at a party that she really shouldn't have been at. Okay, I can see their logic in that way. Don't put yourself in a situation. However, you shouldn't not have your social life because you're afraid of things happening. And everyone makes bad choices. Absolutely. But it does not make it okay that these boys took advantage of her. 100%. It doesn't matter what she did period. I don't give a shit if she robbed a bank before. I don't care. That doesn't matter. They took advantage of her when she was vulnerable, unconscious, didn't know what was happening. Fucking wrong. End of story. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. And basically, they just kind of go on to finish up saying that she should take some responsibility for her actions because she put herself in a situation where this could have happened. And I'm thinking that they're meaning more about the fact that she got I mean, completely annihilated. And I wrote down, I'm wavering on that one because I 100% agree with you. I'm also one of those girls who doesn't put myself in situations that I don't know how the outcome is going to be. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So I think there are people who look ahead and are kind of like, hmm, if I make this choice, what could happen? Not that making this choice is going to 100% make these things happen. But when I was at parties in high school, never did I get so drunk that I could not remember what happened because I was terrified of something like this happening and not being in control. I also witnessed way too many people being completely just bombed and not remembering things. And that scared the shit out of me. It's so frightening. Yeah. So I can see what they mean. But I think they're also forgetting that not everybody thinks ahead right. three and four steps. Right. Do you know what I mean? They don't think that way. They're right. only thinking the way that they think. And, of course, they're not in that situation. Right. So, And in their heads, they wouldn't put themselves in that situation. Right. But if they had gotten themselves in that situation somehow, I think they would be thinking differently. 100%. It's different when it happens to you. Uh, yeah. It sucks when it happens to you, right? hmm Yeah. Now we meet Sean. He is a wrestler, and he states that it was a normal party. Like, people were just chilling. He was hanging out with Trent and Malik and all those guys, but he decided to leave, and that's when things went wrong. That's when things got terrible. 
We also meet Gino, who's a football player. He stated that football was a brotherhood that you will forever be a part of, especially in a town like this. Football is life to these guys. Oh, yeah. And as a high schooler, what is more important than your high school career? Right. I was a cheerleader. Cheerleading was my life. Yep. It's all that matters, honestly. I mean, truly, even now. And I, my, <laughs> I'm not a mom. I was a cheerleader. <laughs> exactly. Sean goes on to say that the coaches taught them about having integrity and courage, self-discipline, and making sure to take responsibility for the things that they do and to do right by yourself and others. So he's speaking about the Steubenville football coach. Yeah. Gino says that when Trent got arrested, the football team was bummed because they were down a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I totally can. I know how they feel. I just, oh my God. Like there's so many bigger things that we're worried about here than football. And again, like, you know, way more about like football and high school. And co- I never did any of that stuff. I just didn't. I didn't oh, part- no. this participate like, much. This could be season ending. Their season just started. These are, <sighs> and he's the quarterback. I mean, I get it. But when yeah. we're looking at, They're now going to trial for sexual assault and rape on a girl. Yeah. That is way more fucking important than your precious football season. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit about your football season. Again, we hear the radio host and I don't, they didn't mention if it was that DJ Bloom daddy or whatever. I kind of assumed all of them were I think it was him. him. It sounded like him. It sounded like the same person. But they didn't always say it. Yeah. Yep. And he is reading some emails and he states that if you Google this Alex Goddard, she is indeed a cyber bully. What she's doing now, posting screenshots of tweets made by innocent kids is a sin. She's just creating more victims. Uh, No, she's not creating mm-hmm. victims at all, actually. She's trying to be on the side for the one victim right. in this situation and, and all of the perpetrators. And again, she wasn't writing her own narrative here. No. She was literally screenshotting exactly what was said by these football players and all these kids that went to these high school parties. Yeah, it was already out there. Yes. So I don't see the issue here. But again, it's parents that are from this small town, football's life. They're pissed off. They think people are attacking them. So they need to attack back. Like, Well, and God forbid you take people's own words and throw them back in their <laughs> face. You know? Right. Right. Fuck. We're back in Cleveland, Ohio in September of 2012. We meet Rachel Dissel. She's an investigative reporter, and she states that she got an email about this incident and was told to pay attention to it because the local media wouldn't be. And that fucked up. Oh, my gosh. I think she was completely shocked by that. She's like, really? They're not going to be eyeing this case up to see what the hell happens? Nope, they're not going to do that. They don't want coverage on it. They don't want this to get out there. Too late. Yeah, too late for sure. Morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me, Emily G. Thompson, author of Unsolved Child Murders, Cults Uncovered, and co-author of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Using investigative research combined with primary audio, including 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony, Morbidology takes a look at some of the world's most heinous murders. Do you know why you're here? For a uh, home invasion gone terribly wrong. Listen to Morbidology today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you're listening.
Rachel decided to check it out and knew that they needed to cover it because it may be shoved under the rug if they don't. Yeah. I totally know that's what would have happened. Oh, yeah. It would just would have gotten lost yep. in the headlines. Yep. yep. And she's she's covered hundreds of rape cases, but this was at another level. So much defensiveness on the side of the boys. Like yeah. so many people were victim blaming the poor girl that had this happen to her. They're forgetting that she's a 16 year old girl that they're talking shit about. I mean, it's it's horrible, especially when you're looking at adults doing this like fucking shame on you. Are you Big kidding time. me? They're all fucking kids like it's horrible. So Rachel got to speak with Alex and she got a really good idea about what really was going on in Steubenville. Because, again, Alex grew up there. So she knew a lot of the background of the town and how they were. Right. How her childhood had been, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel kept coming back to, like, why are these people responding so defensively? Is this football town putting their daughters at risk by protecting their sons? A hundred percent. I would say yes. A hundred percent. Rachel attempted to chat with the coach and she basically asked him, did he know what the players were saying like online? Did he have any idea of what was actually being tweeted and put on Instagram? And he got really defensive and said that he needed to protect them, that they're not bad kids. Of course, he's not answering her question. He's going around it, getting pissed and saying that he's there to Defend his boys. Yeah. My guess is he didn't know a lot about what was going on with their social media accounts. Not at all. And I don't think he wanted to know. I think he wanted to stay in the dark about it because that would be he, a lot of people to be keeping track of. Yeah. No. We briefly meet Michael McVeigh in an interview. He's not even on this documentary, but he's in a different interview with someone. Yeah. It was like on a news report, yep. local news report or something. Oh, man, this guy's a fucking piece of work. He is the school superintendent and he. He's also very defensive, and he basically states that they gave the coach the responsibility to discipline any other players that had been at that party and that they knew were at that party. But they're like, that seems a little bit of a conflict of interest. And he goes, we followed protocol. And he's very snappy. Like, he doesn't want to be in this interview, and he doesn't want to be answering these questions. Yeah. Then he says, when the facts are out, then we will make our decision. And he really emphasized the word facts. Like, we know what's going on here and you don't. You think you know, but we're going to be right. Sorry, you weren't right. And he was one of the people at the end that gets prosecuted as well. Yeah. I do have to say that when they were talking to him in this little report and they're like, why were you give- why was the coach the one who was given this responsibility? I wrote down... I have to agree that protocol at that time was followed, even if I don't like the outcome. Because if you think about it, this didn't happen during the school year. This did not happen at school. The superintendent really did not have a whole lot to go on. However, and I believe this was happening at this time because I graduated in 2004. And at that time, we had to sign waivers when we were in sports saying that we would not be at parties, we wouldn't be yeah. drinking, we wouldn't be whatever, you know, X, Y, and Z. So in this case, my thought is the coach would be the one to have the responsibility to discipline any of the kids who were admittedly at this party drinking because they're not supposed to be doing that. They probably signed a contract sure. stating that they wouldn't do that. 
and I use the word contract kind of loosely because I can't remember what they called it. It was like a, a sports agreement or something like that. Yep. So I got that. But at the same time, I understand what you mean by being pissed off about it because, yeah, they did have to do a little bit more digging. I think at that time, protocol was probably followed, but it needed to it needed For to, sure. you know, keep going with the case. Right. Yeah. We then meet the coach. So we see yeah. some footage of an interview in the at the PlayStation. Yeah. I was going to say in the interview room. <laughs> God. OK. Yeah. So we see some footage of him being interviewed at the police station by Detective Regard. And this is Coach Reno Sakosha. I'm just going to call him Coach Reno. Yep. Makes it a little easier. Way easier. And he says that he had actually met with Trent Malik and Mark Cole after all of this kind of started bubbling up. And they had all said to him, Coach, we did not screw that girl. We left the party and her girlfriends told her not to come with us. We didn't want her to come with us. He then says that the kids said she started arguing with her girlfriends and got in the car with us. Now, apparently the coach at this point had asked the boys if they had kidnapped the girl and they were like, no. And he said, did you put her in the trunk of a car or anything? And they were like, no. Okay. Because again, going back to what they think rape Mm -hmm. is and only is. Right. And they say, coach, we never did any of that. She came with us. And he asks, point blank, did you rape her? They say no. He asks them, did you fuck her? They say no. And he says that was it. Coach believed him. That was it. No no other investigation. Like, okay, I believe them. They're telling me the truth. The fuck? They're kids. They're teenagers. Of course. They're lying because they're they're all liars. They don't even know how to tell the truth. (laughs) Most of them. So he says that after practice every day since, he says to the player something to the effect of, if you have anything to say, tell me, I'll help you out. I'm not going to defend you if you're wrong, but I'll support you. Basically, like, come clean because shit's still being talked about. So something's going on still. He says that two boys admitted that they had been drinking at that party. So he had planned to suspend them. But the whole thing, the whole story, he says, got so fucked up in his words that he didn't do anything to them as he thought it would make them look more guilty. So he never suspended these two boys. I just can't with his fucking reasoning. Fuck that. Uh, Right. God, again, it's like that. Whether they were involved in that or not, they admitted to the drinking part, which is against your policy. Right. They should have been. It's automatic. And you can fucking tell everyone why you suspended them. 100%. 100%. They, they they signed a contract that said they wouldn't drink. They decided to drink and admittedly said they did. That's why you suspended them. But no, he needed to make an, a fucking excuse for it. It's yep. like to make them not look guilty. They are fucking guilty. They're at least guilty of that of in that. your eyes. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't say what uh, two boys. He just says that two of them had admitted. And he says that he had told the boys at that time that this would be considered a favor to them because drinking would mean that they were off the team. So Again, he bent the rules big time for them, even though it was something that they probably signed off on. Now, so he says to the detective, even when you took their phones, I was like, rape? They ain't getting them for rape. They didn't rape her. They might have screwed her. And immediately, Detective Regard interrupts him. <sighs> he He's so irritated. Well, yeah, I think he's done with all the bullshit yeah. and the, like, tap, tiptoeing around the subject. And... 
making excuses for why this should happen and why it's okay. Like, I'm sorry. Didn't rape her, but they could have screwed her. What's the fucking difference? I'm sorry. It's, you know, it's a couple of letters and a different word. And Detective Regard interrupts immediately. And he's like, wait, 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 hold on. They would not have been arrested if there wasn't strong evidence to say that they raped her. And any kind of penetration on any part of her body is what's under the consideration of rape. Mm -hmm. He says, realize that. That's another thing that the public is really stupid on right now. So we're not just talking vaginal sex. We're talking anywhere there was penetration. Right. Could have been with fingers. Could have been with objects. Could have been in her mouth. Could have been in her anus. Right. All of that. Right. It's all included. All of it. And the coach says, well, can't they use another word for rape? <gasps> I'm just like. Get uh, this dude off the screen. I, for real. I'm going to throw shit at my fucking TV. I just, I can't. I'm. Oh, I know. And where God's like, coach, I didn't come up with it. He basically tells him like the other piece that comes in is that this person was not able to consent to it, especially if they were really out of it. Right. I.E being intoxicated. I've put a little star here that says rape isn't just a no situation. Somebody saying no verbally. It's also if someone cannot consent at all. Right. They're completely blacked out. Right. Or unconscious. The coach then says, I hope the truth does come out. So I'm hopeful that he really means that. And maybe he just needed a little bit of a lesson on what actually was the situation yeah i i think he's just again i think we're we're looking at very narrow-minded people and i just i don't even think they understand what any of this means and i think that's why they're coming at it this way because they're like it's not rape because rape has to be like you said an attacker running after a woman she's screaming clawing away from him you know and puts his wiener in her you know like it doesn't just have to be that Oh, I shouldn't do use the word wiener, I but hey. it. said wiener. <laughs> oh, see, it just makes the whole thing just. We need a little bit of lightheartedness here with, with the wieners. We need some wieners in here. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any wieners in here. I'm actually uh, having those for dinner tonight, though. Oddly enough. We had them last night. I'm having better cheddars. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yummy. Oh, yeah. Hashtag not a vegan anymore because <laughs> baby has gotten me all into the meat and dairy. Okay. Back to the documentary. So after this little exchange between the coach and Detective Regard, we get a couple of minutes of like on-screen text messages that were taken from that night. And there's four different sets of conversations. The first one is a text between Anthony and Trent. Anthony's saying, I'm coming with you guys. Where are you at? Trent responds by saying, Mark's all hitting it for real. And Anthony, so excited, wait for me, LOL, bro, they're going to rape that girl. We then see a conversation between a guy named Bradley and Trent Mays. Bradley asks, did you fuck her? And Trent says, yup. And Bradley goes, yeah, boy. Next, we see a conversation between Cody and Trent. Cody says, I want to see the video of you hitting her with your wiener, LOL. Trent responds back, I don't know who took it, LOL. And then finally, a conversation between Anthony and Mike. Anthony says, some crazy ass shit just went down, yo. 
And Mike responds with, who was the sloppy drunk girl? I want to know the guys. And she had no idea she was getting pounded with a question mark. So these are conversations that are happening right after between boys at this school. And it's like, it's no big deal. No big deal. It's awful. I just. It sounds more like it happens often. Often. Detective Regard comes back and tells us that social media played a big role in this case, um, along with texts and photos and videos, as we know. Yeah. Because, again, they're all date and time stamped. We find out that she had been in three different places. We'll label them A, B, and C. Now, the party in Steubenville was at party A. We hear from Michael and Farah again. They were the ones we heard from earlier. And Michael tells us that, you know, it wasn't a rager. Everyone was just chilling, listening to music, maybe like 30 people there. Yeah. Farah says, you know, they were playing some games, beer pong, nothing too crazy. Yeah. And it sounds like a regular house party. And that's how things start, right? They start very innocent. They start very chill. Yeah. This is pregame status, right? Absolutely. Anthony's in the interview room with Detective Raygod and says that Jane Doe and Trent were all over each other all night. Just hugging and holding hands. That like, does not sound like all no, over each other to me. No, it was BS. I think That's he a did bit more G-rated than I would have thought. I, I didn't think he wanted to actually say what they were doing because they might have been making out. They might have been whatever. Yeah. But he didn't really want to say that. Now, Jane Doe remembers seeing and talking to Trent at Party A. Jane Doe remembers seeing and talking to Trent and possibly Malik at Party A. Yeah. So at this point... Again, it's kind of like the pregame party, chilling. People are just starting to drink. No one's gotten real crazy yet. From there, they drive to party B, which is down the road from party A. It literally looks like it's two streets down. Right. And Jane Doe completely changed from party A to party B. She couldn't stand up. She couldn't even really respond and or talk to people at this point. Yeah. Which is a little scary. I mean, because mm-hmm. it still seems like it's pretty early in the night. So you got to wonder what happened at party A to get her to where she was at. Yeah. Now, this is when the photo was taken of her at party B. Right. The one of Trent and Malik. Yeah. Holding her arms and legs. Yep. Yeah. Now, one of the girls noticed Trent and Malik dragging her out to the car and even stepping on her hair. Instantly, I like cringed when they said that because I can just, um, oh, oh my gosh. I know. And Malik ends up having to carry her out because they're like, you have to carry her a different way. You can't be stepping on her hair. Farah says that she told Trent to take her to Cammie's house, which is her friend. And he said, at party eight, yeah. And Trent was like, I'll take care of it. And so Farah was thinking that like he was actually going to take her there, right? That was kind of her mindset. Anthony said that it made him so mad that they were doing this to her that he had to go inside. And I was like, weren't you texting Trent a little bit ago about waiting to rape her so you could get there? Like, get the fuck out of here, Anthony. You're scared as shit right now at the police station. You're trying to cover your ass. I don't know how many times he goes. I was just so mad. I was so infuriated. I couldn't believe they were doing this to her. Fuck you, Anthony. I we saw all your goddamn texts. You're a lion sack of shit. Lion Sorry. sack of shit. Yep. Now, Spank your kids, people. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is when she was brought to party C. And this is when the other boys see what Trent and Malik did to her. Now, party C is 
quite a ways away. Yeah, it's from, like even over a river. Yep. And I, I want to say it's in a different town. I don't even know if it's still in Steubenville at this point. They didn't mention it much, but it, it looked pretty far that it yeah. could have possibly been in a different city. Now, Anthony is called in for a second interview because I think Detective Regard is thinking he's a little full of shit. Yeah. We need to talk to him again. And we have more evidence on him that shows he was lying to us. Yeah. Now, Detective Regard asks him, how many pictures did you take at the house? And Anthony responds with two. He goes, one was just of her alone on her back. You couldn't really see anything, anything promiscuous. Yeah. And the other one was the one where Trent and Malik were touching her inappropriately. Now, Detective Ergod asks, is there any others that you're not telling me about? And he goes, and don't lie to me. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me. And Anthony just kind of sits there. Oh, God, I can't remember. You know, I just, I don't know. And he's like, you know, just go with three. He's like, I can't remember. I'm like, Oh my god, it's it's hard to watch. I mean, it's it's a really I know because you want to shake the shit out. of I him. know, I know, because you know he's lying. I mean, totally. plain and simple. Now, Detective Regard then asks, "What was the intent of these photos? Like, why did you actually take them?" And Anthony says, "Well, at first, you know, I wanted to show my dad because he was so mad at what was happening to her, but then he got scared, so he decided to delete them." He couldn't have thought of a better fucking lie. That is a terrible lie. You're going to show your dad this fucking photo? No. Nope. What? Nope. Never. Oh, bullshit. Oh, it's so bullshit. Now, Detective Regard then asks, at any point, did you touch her? And he goes, no, I promise on it. Now, our true crime blogger, Alex, comes back saying that she did not think that reposting what these kids had wrote online was wrong. She said it was all in their words, not hers, like we mentioned. Right. She didn't write up an article. She was just reposting to gain a little bit more traction because she felt like this just wasn't getting the attention it needed. Right. We get some on-screen text that says, in October, a local family sues Alex for defamation of character in an effort to shut down her blog. She says that about 99% of what she'd heard from other people regarding the story as gossip was never written. She never posted that because that's not what this was about. She says that after being sued, she knew that they meant business and that they were pissed, but she felt that it was the right thing to do and she didn't regret it. She did state, though, that at one point she didn't know whether or not her safety was in jeopardy. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She said that people, you know, didn't comment on the blog much after that and she hasn't written much since. So she's still not quite sure how the New York Times found out about it, but thinks that the lawsuit that was brought against Mm -hmm. her actually brought more attention to this case. So then she says on Christmas Day, shit hit the fan. So in December of 2012, Anonymous takes the Internet by storm, Mm -hmm. right? So he, we've all seen this guy. Yeah. He's he's the guy that wears like the mask. You know what mask I'm talking about, but it's hard to explain what it is. Yeah, it is. And a lot of people actually wear it protesting now. It's right. like it's like the mask that people now wear protesting. Yes. And he's the guy with that robotic voice. Yeah, yeah. So he just goes through and he completely hacked the roll red roll site, so the football site. Mm-hmm. Posted videos of how this was no longer going to stay a small town secret. I mean, he blew this yep. shit up. 
Oh my God, this shit went real viral real quick. Big time. Alex says that all hell broke loose when the Mike Noti video was leaked. Basically, I'm going to sum up this video a little bit. It's Michael Nodianos, who we talked about earlier, Mike Noti, being a shitty comedian about how this girl was dead. She didn't need to consent because she was dead. How anal sex had occurred, he mentions at some point. Boys are laughing in the background. He talks about how she's deader than OJ's wife, how she was raped faster than Mike Tyson raped that girl. Again, boys laughing. He's truly not a funny person, but he's clearly the class clown of this group. It is horrible. It's terrible. Alex says that this is the first time that rape culture was actually put in the faces of the people of this town. And all of a sudden, hashtag Occupy Steubenville went viral. Mm -hmm. There were rallies with these masked protesters all around town. In February of 2012, over a thousand people showed up at the Jefferson County Courthouse to show support and hashtag justice for Jane Doe. I mean, we're talking everybody was there. NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, ABC, Dr. Phil, Judge Janine, who I love, Pierce Morgan, Dr. Drew. Anyone and everyone was in Steubenville covering this. Everyone wanted a piece of it. It was huge. Mm Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, women were coming out from the woodwork all over about being raped in Steubenville and how nobody had believed them at that time. And that it was their fault, in some cases, for being at maybe the party that it had occurred at. I loved all of that. I just, just the power that that women had to speak out. Phenomenal. Loved it. Needed to happen. We needed to break through that barrier and make it known that this shit happens a lot and it needs to fucking stop. Yeah. Now, we had met Michelle, that local resident, much earlier in the documentary. She comes back on and says that when she came across this scene, she had absolutely no intentions of going up and speaking out. However, she felt Mm -hmm. literally compelled. She got up there and told them her story of being sexually assaulted. She says, everyone who's been sexually assaulted wears a mask to hide the shame. And I just wrote next to it, why is there shame for the person that it happens to? I know. Why is that something that they, you know, that victims feel? It's awful. Nobody should have to feel that way. The shame 100% should fall on the person who did it to them. I know. It's so unbelievable how our brains immediately think that we did something wrong to deserve that and that we're yep. shameful and like, yep. you know, should be marked with a scarlet letter or something. It it's goes back up. It goes back to all of that. Like the clothes I was wearing, the texts I was sending, how drunk I got. Like, then you start questioning all of what you did to say, well, did I bring this upon myself? Is yeah. this why it happened to me? And it's like, you can't think like that because every fucking person on this planet makes mistakes but that does not allow people to take advantage of them. Right. I'm sorry. It it just, th- those two things don't equal each other. Yeah. Like it doesn't it, work that way. And it leads somebody to believe that if they miss one box on that checklist of things that they have to make sure that they do so that they don't get into that situation, that it's automatically going to happen because they missed right. that one thing. Right. It's stupid. I know. It's horrible. 
Detective Rigaud says that at some point, too, there were reports that the local police were under attack for slow walking this case in order to protect the football yeah. team. And he he laughs in a way like we were doing our jobs. He's like, I don't know who got the idea that we yeah. weren't. But they also, again, something that, you know, the public needs to remember is that because there was no physical evidence on her. They needed to compile all this other evidence in order to right. come up with a case. It's not always that easy. They, they, but they, they were trying. Yeah, and they thought it should be cut and dry. Like, absolutely. If, if you're gonna, like, if, if she's gonna charge it, them, then, yeah. then it's good to go. But again, we do need to have proof mm-hmm. in this country. So at this point, we're getting not just national coverage; we're getting worldwide coverage. Mm-hmm. They're showing little snippets of news reports talking about the justice for Jane Doe in like all these other languages, like, holy shit, it went viral. Alex says that she struggles a lot with her involvement and the role in this case because she feels like, did she inadvertently make Jane Doe kind of relive this every day by reposting this information and putting it out there? But again, she does go back to the point that She had pixelated her entire body out of the photo before even posting it. She never posted her name. It was all everybody else's response to the situation that she was posting. And I I don't think that Jane Doe would have felt that way. I I truly don't. I I feel like she probably felt a sense of justice a little bit. I think. I hope so. I I mean, I, I really, really hope she did. So we get an officer interviewing Mark Cole, and this incident actually happened at his house. So the officer asks him, what was the conversation like between you, Trent, Malik, and Evan? And Mark really doesn't answer him. And the officer asks, is there anything else you're leaving out? You're 17. You're a man. Man up. You yeah. know, and he, he starts to get a little aggressive with Mark. I, I think he wants him to to really break down. He wants him to tell him the truth. I don't blame him. I would, too. And Mark goes, I think they were talking about training her. And the officer goes, why? What makes you believe that? And Mark goes, you know, talking about it earlier in the night before going to Jake's house at Party B. Now, this is showing intent to do this yeah. beforehand. This is pre-planning it, premeditated to doing this. Now, we learned that Trent and Malik also mentioned a train. So, running a train on her. Yeah. Which is essentially like a gangbang type of situation. Yep. Now, Detective Regard says that a train and gang rape are essentially what they are referring to. It's basically multiple people having sex with one person. Yeah. Then Regard tells Mark he's going to swab his mouth for DNA. And he just sits motionless. It's almost like he, he is not even blinking. I mean, yeah. it's he's just sitting there because he knows this shit's getting fucking real and yeah. serious. I love it. I don't know I if do it was too. just a scare tactic or I know. what, because they never bring DNA back nope. up again in this conversation. <laughs> but I was I like, hell was. yeah. I loved it. Now we meet Marianne Hemeter. She's the lead special prosecutor for the Ohio Attorney General's office. And she said that typically you will have just the victim's story. She goes, but this was different. The victim did not remember what happened to her. And it was basically a sexual assault with teenagers with texts to tell the story. And that was it. 
Now, Trent's attorney, Brian Duncan, goes on the news to say he didn't rape Jane Doe. Marianne goes on to say that this was a very unique case. Like, all the immediate attention that it garnered was astounding. The victim was still getting scrutinized, even though she was not the one on trial. And that's what fucking bugs me. It bugs me so much that all these people were going after her. It's like, she's not the fucking one on trial here. Like, it's horrible. It's horrible. So they show us a clip of that horrible video that Nodi was in, where he was saying all those horrible things. Yeah. And this video actually became a backbone of the investigation for the prosecution, even though he was never at the house when the rape took place. It was because you could literally see who was saying what and all of it was on camera. It was clear as day who was saying what and they can't go back on their word. Nope. Now, Cody Saltzman posted the first photo on Instagram, the photo of that Trent and Malik carrying her. Yep. And even with all of this evidence, they could not prove penetration without an eyewitness. And that's what they needed to prove in order to get a guilty verdict. Now, they had three witnesses to this crime. They had Mark Cole, whose house they were at when this incident occurred. We had Anthony Craig. He was the one that had taken the photos. Yep. The two to three photos. The one that was super mad at Trent. Yep. And then Evan Westlake. And he's the one that actually made the Nodi video. Yeah. So, so we he hear him the, laughing. Yeah. He was the videographer. Yeah. Now, since she needed to prove penetration, she had to give these three immunity in order for them to tell their story and not be afraid to. Yep. Roughly a year after the crime, both Trent and Malik go on trial. We meet Walter Madison. He's the attorney for Malik Richmond. And he says that, you know, Malik was a juvenile at the time. He says God had made him big, but he made him shy. And based on the evidence, a lot of it was circumstantial. And he says a lot of it kind of placed Malik in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't 100% agree with that. No, no, I don't. Marianne comes back on to say that they had to prove that the defendants engaged in sexual conduct where the victim was substantially impaired. Mm -hmm. Now, Walter goes on to say that in Ohio, the law states that if one is substantially impaired, they cannot properly give consent. Even if they do give consent, the impairment negates that consent that was given. I love that law. That yeah, that's I, I hope that's everywhere. Right? It should be. I mean, they said it was just in Ohio, but that's that needs to be in all of the U.S. for yeah. sure. All over the world. Let's be real. Good luck on that. <laughs> <laughs> He also goes on to say that if both parties were intoxicated, like in this case, everybody had been drinking, the question begins to be, who raped who? And I'm like, what the fuck? Excuse (laughs) me? But again, I'm sorry. If one is completely not even conscious and the other is, I think it's pretty fucking obvious who raped who. Okay, I get that there has been cases that have been tried and convicted on where the woman perpetrates the male. It, it's happened. Sure. It could never fucking happen in this scenario ever, not ever, never in a million years. Yeah. She Why? gets super drunk and <sighs> runs a train on herself using other men. She's so drunk. She can't even fucking walk out of the, the second party to make it to the third party where all of this happened. And she's the one. Yeah. She can't even talk. I, oh, Walter, I didn't like what you said there. No, was I was not pissed. a fan of that. Nope. 
Now, he does say that, of course, Jane Doe admits to drinking large amounts of alcohol. She did give access to her cell phone to somebody. And he says, in a way, that's a form of consent. But he says, this is not to victim blame. But at one point, she gave consent to being in their company. So if at some point, some would say, he points out, that the moment she felt that her choice to be in their company was wrong, that suddenly it's not her fault anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's 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 exactly <laughs> how it is. We can change our fucking minds. We are. So human are beings. you saying that we make a choice and now we are stuck with that choice? Because holy fuck, Kenzie, where would I be if all of my choices <laughs> were, nope, that's exactly how it's going to go, and you don't get to deviate from that anymore. Oh, my gosh. I'd be dead, probably. I might be in jail for killing somebody, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Fucking A. We're back to that interview with Mark Cole, and the officer asks him, how did you guys all get her downstairs? And he responds by saying, Malik carried her, or Trent, both of them, they physically carried her down the stairs. In attendance that night was Mark, who we're speaking to, Trent, Malik, Evan, and Jane Doe. Mark says that they set her on the floor, kind of in this rec room, basically, you know, kind of a TV area down Mm -hmm. in the basement. And that as soon as they set her down on the floor in front of the TV, she leans over and throws up all over the floor. That should tell them right there what type of state she's in. Come on. I know. Mark says that he cleaned it up right away. And I wrote, oh, fucking gentleman now. (laughs) That's when he gets a call from Anthony Craig. Now, remember those texts of Anthony sounding really excited and wanting to be involved? Mm -hmm. This is where those come in. So Anthony says, everyone is in the basement. Evan's on the couch. Jane Doe is on the floor. Malik is behind her, fingering her. And at one point, Trent put his penis in her butt. Mark says that Trent tries to put his penis into her mouth as well. Anthony says at this point, Jane Doe is just laying there. She's not talking. Mark says he doesn't remember her being completely passed out, but in no way in a condition to make any decisions for herself. So she, I mean, she's out of it, Mm -hmm. right? Marianne says that from what she understood with the case and with everything that she was given, She believes that Malik seemed to be following the lead of Trent Mays for the most part, that Trent really played on Jane Doe that night. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So Trent was also sending out a picture of her on the couch to the other boys to further make fun of her afterwards. So awful. I know. Marianne points out that If you're looking at a photo that somebody sends to you, you're a witness to the situation. But if you start passing that photo on to someone else, that's the crime. Yeah. Basically, she says she is starting to see some real predatory nature in Trent that makes you stop and wonder. And I think a lot of the guys forget that she's 16. Any of these photos that are taken, that's child pornography. Mm -hmm. We then see... A news article that pops up on the screen stating that both of the boys are found guilty in the teen rape case. And we see Trent addressing the judge. And all he says is, and I quote, I would like to apologize to Jane Doe, her family, 
my family, and the community. No pictures should have been sent around, let alone taken. That's all, sir. Thank you. And I was like, nothing about the rape itself? Like, none of that? No? Just the pictures? My mouth is open right now. I'm in shock still. Careful. If Trent's around, he might stick something in it. (laughs) My God. I'm just like, that's all you have to say? He didn't give a shit about it because... Because he's not sorry. No, he's not. He wanted to fucking do it. Yep. He got caught yep. doing for doing it. You know, it's uh, and a he fucking dirtbag. Right. And he didn't have any form of like emotion on his face while he's saying this. Right. I mean, it seemed very like diplomatic the yep. way he was saying it. For sure. Malik stands up to address the court and not just the judge, because it looks like he walks over kind of to the jury as well. Immediately breaks down, sobbing, mm-hmm. apologizing. I mean, this has crushed him. And I I kind of felt a little bad for him. Oh, I did too. Because I mean, there was a huge amount of regret for what had happened. Oh, yeah. And again, he's a kid. He's a kid. He was under the influence of yeah. alcohol. And when you're that age, like we mentioned, peer pressure, it might sound like a good idea at the time. You're under the influence. You're not thinking clearly. So I, I, he was clearly not like Trent. He was remorseful. He felt bad for what happened. He hated being in this situation. I mean, you could tell that he wishes he could take it back. Yeah. And Trent could give two shits. Yep, exactly. We then see some on-screen text that says Malik Richmond was sentenced to a minimum of one year in juvenile detention center for his role. Trent Mays was sentenced to a minimum of one year in a juvenile detention center, plus an additional year for taking and sending the photos of the victim. Marianne goes on to say that this case really highlights the problem with peer pressure. She finds that with everybody involved, there were also some really good kids that were involved as well in different ways. Like, for example, Sean McGee. There was a text that pops up on the screen from Sean to Trent. And it says, this is Sean. You are dead wrong. I'm going to choke the fuck out of you for that. You can go to jail for life for that if she says something. What the fuck, Trent Mays? He even testified in court. Mm-hmm. We find out that the voice on the Nodi tape where he's basically saying that that rape wasn't cool and that, you know, he, that was Sean. Yep. And he basically seemed to be the only voice of reason, it seemed, on that video and from what else we've seen in this documentary. Well, yeah, he was like, this shit isn't funny at all. Like, yeah. why the hell are you guys laughing about this? Like, yep. this isn't cool. Because every other boy there on the video was laughing except him. He's like, what the fuck, man? Like, yep. why are you guys laughing at this shit? This isn't funny. Like, rape isn't funny. Like, he was really the only one that was standing up to the fact that I'm not going to go with the joke. peer pressure of what everyone else is doing and thinks is funny. This isn't funny. Yep. He says that he wished he could have been with Trent that night and that none of this ever happened. He did say that from what he's experienced, there hasn't really been any negative fallout on him for being the one to speak up. Right. And there shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be. But again, kids are assholes. Right. We're now at November 2013, and this is seven months after the sentencing. Rachel Dissel comes back again, that investigative reporter, and says that, It wasn't just the questions about why the kids did this, but did any parents know about it and just not report it? So now they're looking at 
the adult side of things? And should there be adults that are tried for not saying something when they knew something was going on? Yeah. We learned that charges were filed against the superintendent of schools, a principal, and two coaches. I did a little Google. The superintendent was Mike McVeigh. He got a felony charge for obstructing justice. Then the school principal was Lynette Gorman. She was charged with failing to report possible child abuse, along with the strength coach, Seth Fluherty. They both got charged with the same offense. Okay. And then the volunteer coach was Matthew Bellardine. He got charged with making false statements and contributing to underage drinking. Whoa. Yeah. Contributing to it? Yeah. So was he buying it for them? What like how was he contributing? It's really intriguing. Contributing can be almost anything. I think too, like if the kids were caught drinking at his house and there was liquor in the house, I think he could be considered contributing. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I could be making that up completely, but I remember thinking like that that this is a thing. I'm I'm gonna go out on the record and say <laughs> that's a thing. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Now there was new conversation starting about an incident that happened in April to a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Similar scenario with almost the same fucking people involved to a 14-year-old girl that went un- unreported. Yeah. Just a few months before right. Jane Doe. Right. Now, Alex Goddard tells us that everyone had tweeted about this incident in April. So she went back. And did her her digging on all of their social media and all the shit was still there. One of the tweets that she saw was that fact. I still get a nice buzz right now from last night. Another one was glad I wasn't involved in all that sick shit. Another one that one girl's life might be ruined after that. Oh, my God. It's horrible. It's (laughs) fucking social media these days is going to get. Every fucking person in trouble. Seriously. My God, people are, they're tweeting and posting everything. Twitter seems to be the worst. <laughs> Especially in this case. I mean, yeah. I didn't realize this young of kids even use Twitter, but they clearly use it a lot. Apparently Twitter was the thing. Yeah. We hear a little bit about that incident that happened in April. And basically it was a 14 year old girl who also had too much to drink. She was not conscious at one point and was in a room full of mostly boys and was naked. A witness said that she heard Trent Mays and Anthony Craig possibly having sex with her. Again, Anthony and Trent that were involved in this case. Yep. Now, she didn't recall much, but heard things from other people very similar to this Jane Doe. She was being called a slut, a whore, all this sort of name calling. And people were also saying that she had been trained as well, like had a train ran on her fucking sick it's like this is their mo like this is what they did every fucking weekend like it's sick yeah that's why i think they talk about it so easily right and she basically said that she didn't want anyone to get in trouble so she stayed quiet she didn't say anything about it and alex states that it's basically a failure to protect the victim and to protect the institution and i'm like it's a fucking culture thing it's horrible Mm -hmm. like it's in the culture there and everyone thinks shit is okay for some reason Now we get some on-screen text that states, following the grand jury indictments, one Steubenville school official resigned and two completed community service in lieu of prosecution. One school official was convicted and served a brief sentence. No charges were filed against Trent Mays or Anthony Craig for the April incident. Gretchen comes back, that local resident, and said 
no one stood up to say that this wasn't right and this wasn't how men should treat women. It was complete failure. No one owned up to the fact that, okay, these guys were found guilty. Now we should go apologize to this victim and say that this shit wasn't right. Everyone fucking just stopped talking about it. It was just over. Like, again, they kind of, now they can shove it under the rug. It's behind them. We don't have to talk about it anymore. It's horrible. We hear from another local resident who tells us, like, how do you overcome from something like this that went so national and even global, right? This was big. Yeah. And you could possibly heal by addressing rape as an issue and helping those who have suffered through it to heal. But you have to be willing to do that. Right. right. And all crime affects a community as a whole. So it changes the way the world looks at a community, especially if it went this viral. Big time. Now, Detective Ray God tells us that there was people on both sides of the coin. As we realize, we have a lot of the victim blaming, but then we have people that were also on the victim side. Right. All the protesters, people coming out, the hashtag Me Too movement almost earlier than when it really went viral. Right. right? Now, Alex comes back, our, our true crime blogger that we love, and she says that she ended up getting a tattoo that said, always the truth. She says it really shows her journey on who she is. And she even opened up about a rape that she had experienced by an ex-boyfriend's brother. And she had kept quiet. Now she feels an obligation to do something. And she knows that things can change. And that was it. I'm very happy that they got sentenced to something because I hope that it changes their behavior. I hope they learned from it, you know, because clearly they're not they're not in prison or anything at this point. Obviously, this was years ago and they both only had to spend a year or two in prison or in their juvenile detention, in the juvenile detention. Right. But I hope that it did something for them, changes their mind about things, gets them on a better track. Makes them realize they can't do this shit to women. Yeah. And I hope it brought light to the whole idea of this is very relevant all the time. This happens Mm -hmm. to people all the time and it needs to fucking change. Yeah. This needs to change. Yeah. If nothing else, I hope it even just showed those who looked up to these guys as the bigger guys that this is not cool. No, not at all. That it kind of stopped that trend. Right. Because it sounded like this was a trend. Right. Right. Oh, that one was tough. It was tough. Because there's so many, right, there's always two sides to a story. Yep. There's always two sides to an argument. But in this case, I mean, I feel like it's pretty fucking obvious. hmm No means no, even when no can't be said. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a moment, please run out there and rate and review us quick. It, it literally takes like a couple of seconds I would do it myself, but it looks cheesy if my name shows up on our own ratings. <laughs> so we'd love it if you do it for us. Next week, we are going to be covering the Netflix documentary Abducted in Plain Sight. So this one, was it It must have been two years ago because I was riding the bus when I was watching it. Oh, just gripped me. I could not Holy look shit. away. It was a train wreck. I'm telling oh, you. God, train. Oh, God. Why do we keep talking about trains? <laughs> It's on the brain. It's, it's on the brain. Train, 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 No, this train one is brain. fucking bizarre. It, it's fucked up. Every, like, five minutes you watch is like, are you kidding me? No way. No way. It's, this can't be real. No It way. can't be real yeah. is how I How is thinking. this possible? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. So tune in next week for that. In the meantime, if you have any other 
stories that you would like us to cover or any other documentaries that you've seen that you think would be good on the show, send it to our email requests at sheercrimepodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at sheercrimepod, Instagram at sheer underscore crime underscore podcast. And of course, our Facebook sheer crime podcast discussion group. Lots of stuff going on over there. Mm -hmm. We're getting new members all the time. It's so much fun. So fun. Yeah. So join us, chat with us, send us anything you'd like to hear. And we hope you guys have a good week. Stay safe out there. And remember, never run with scissors. Bye, guys. See ya.